All right, y'all, how you doing? It's a lot going on in the world right now, you know. There's a lot to be mad about. Right now, On you know, we're calling for a boycott of McDonald's, Starbucks, Disney. This is important because what's happening in Gaza, we should not be happy about this. Pardon me. Sorry, I just burped. <laughs> Whoopsies, just had dinner. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, tonight, I am so excited for the guests who's coming on. You know, we're waiting for them to arrive. Um, they are a Black activist out here in Connecticut. It's always great to connect with peers, in my opinion. Because in this organizing space, you know, it's bad enough that Black and Brown activists do not get recognized. It's worse that we allow ourselves to be pinned against each other. And that's a hell of a thing. And that's a whole conversation by itself, because you ask yourself, if you see all these different black and brown people doing things, you don't see them working together. That's very interesting. But there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, we're not all with the same things. We all can't be in the same place. Let's just start there, right? Let's be realistic. We all cannot be in the same place. So we need people to be in different spaces. Where we fall short is where we don't support each other. I don't expect you to be in the same space as me, but it'll be okay if you support me, you know, and give me the credit. It's okay to give each other credit. It's okay to say someone's good at something. It's okay to acknowledge that another black or brown person may in fact be very gifted and talented and have a lot to say, right? And it's important for us to understand that. And it's important for us to recognize that we have power collectively. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of us acknowledging that power. They're afraid of us recognizing that we are amazing, that we have so much to give and we have so much that we do. You know, we invent great things, we pioneer great things, we're creative, we're intelligent, you know, we're so many things. And yet on the media, you know, there's a consistent and not even consistent, let me take that back. There's a dedication to criminalizing us and stigmatizing us. Good things don't happen in our communities. You know, we have to be shown and seen as being in need. We have to be shown and seen as, you know, not knowing what we're doing, not knowing how to do things. And this is why I say all the time, it's important for us to recognize each other. And, you know, we're not always going to all get along. We're not always all going to agree. But that doesn't mean that we can't come up with some great ideas in that space. But more so, I do understand not wanting to organize with certain people because I do it, right? So tonight I'm excited because we have a guest who's coming on that does some amazing work. I'm an admirer. You'll be too. So CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. I see they're here. Hey, Ty. Hey. You sound a little distant. Try coming closer to your mic. Still a little distant. Oh, hold on one second. Okay, while she sorts herself out, let me tell you, this person right here does a lot, right? And this is what I'm talking about. Like, don't don't let the media fool you. 
first of all, don't let the media fool you. You know, we're out here and there's a bunch of us doing all kinds of great work. But what we need to do first is recognize that there are challenges to organizing in in Connecticut and in general as a black or brown person. I see Three Fists is on. Hey, Three Fists, how are you doing? All right, everybody getting themselves together there. So while they get themselves together, sit down everybody and relax because we're gonna have a hell of a conversation. Our friend is here to share their experiences as being a black organizer in Connecticut. Now see, this is interesting. <laughs> Connecticut says it's progressive, I laugh. Connecticut uses words like equity, inclusivity, diversity, three-fifths. How do you view the organizing for black and brown activists in Connecticut? What do you see that as? I think some are trying, some are not. Some are, like you always say, people that narcotic camera. Yes. I'll tell you, I found mostly in New Haven, not too bad. But as you get towards New York, like Stanford and stuff, where they have uh, easy access to New York activists, then they become more a little bit progressive. Mm. Mm. Ty, what do you think about organizing in Connecticut? Um, can you hear me well? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, can you hear three fifths? Not really. Oh. Oh, my bad. I don't, I don't know what more I can do. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Keep going. So tell us about you, Ty. Tell us what you what you do and why. Ty, we're getting a little bit. Ty, we're getting a little bit. I don't know whose mic that is. I'm not sure. I think we're just having one of those good old tech days. So we're going to bear with it because sometimes tech could be techie, right? <clears throat> so can you tell us what it's been like in your experience as a Black activist? <laughs> In this state, because remember, this state talks about being progressive 
and you know we talk about inclusivity and all these different things right and we say all these words these words sound nice right they sound nice but is that what's happening talk to us Hey, Ty, hold on one It is your mic. It is your Oh, oh man. All right. Let me see what I can do here. Try logging out and logging back in. All right, I'll do that. All right, so while Ty gets that sorted out, three-fifths, you know, you said that some do, some don't, right? I agree with Ty. There's a lot of organizing happening here in Connecticut, but I feel like only certain groups get the emphases because they're the chosen few. Meanwhile, within the community, the community itself sees it. What do you think about that? Oh, yes, they do. In fact, you know how you tell the good organizers, they don't get the, they don't get the media, the mainstream media. They get media like this. Facts. They don't, they don't get mainstream media. Mm -mm. That's why I would say regular mainstream media. Right. That's that's who I would go to. That's right. No. The thing in New Haven is just so many groups, though. And stuff right. Like They're not. Are they making that impact? That's the thing. Ooh. Oh, I see. Ty came back. No, keep going. The closer you get for me, you get towards New York. That's the hub of activism. True. That's the hub. That's true. Ty, how are you doing over there? Yes. Oh, bless. Bless. All right, keep going. So you were talking about what it's like being a black activist in Connecticut, because you know Connecticut talks about, I don't know, being progressive. Yeah, I wouldn't call us progressive. You know, I feel like we like we like a lot of performative activism around here. Um, I'm gonna be honest about that. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different causes. You know, a lot of different orgs. A lot of different um, I don't see a lot of cooperation. I don't see a lot of collaboration, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's hard to be a black group, uh, a black activist, a black organizer in general. Um, you face a lot of people not taking you seriously, you know, fighting to, like, be seen at the forefront of your cause, or having to prove yourself. You know, just the same thing face kind of everywhere, you know. That marginalization happens in organizing spaces, too. I mean, I mean, there's a lot there. You know, I feel like, again, there's this chosen set, right? The acceptable set. So they get all the highlight within the organizing community, right? Because unfortunately, the organizing community that gets seen is very white-led, in my opinion. Do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. allowing your movements to be co-opted, which does happen. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's something that all black organizers should just always be on the lookout for is white folks can come in and co-op movements. Like, that's just the real truth. Like That's facts. They do it. They do it all the time. And then they come out at certain times, right? So it's like when something's big, you see the white activists, they're more concerned than everybody else. Yeah. And sometimes the movements are subtle, you know, like asking you to change the language or the letters. Yes. Oh, my. Preach, girl. Go ahead. You know, maybe the chant should be this because this sounds a little less aggressive. And, you know, it's, just, mm-hmm. it, it's always to tamper down and tone down the loud. Um, you know, facts, the righteous anger at injustice, you know, and it, there, it reeks of respectability politics, you know, just someone coming in being like, this is the right way to protest. Let me show you. Mm. Um, you're seeing it a lot now with the, you know, with the issues in, in Palestine and the Palestinian genocide. Preach know, girl. When you see people, white folks mostly coming in and telling Palestinians how they can express and demand for their freedom, you know, mm-hmm. Right. What do you think about that, three fifths? Well, it, it, it's true, but like I like I told you before, you if you want to break it down, to me they're more anti-racist in New York. It's, it's a whole different segment. They come in to help. They provide the lawyers pro bono. Right. It's like a dependency. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, no question. Yes. 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 Or, or validation. Yeah, oh shit. Go ahead, Ty. Jump in. I feel like it really comes down to, you know, it's it's this inability that I think that we even as like a society, especially here in America, we really struggle with decentering whiteness and white culture. Um it's Mm. it's just so it's so everywhere, it's so ingrained. And even when when even tries to speak up against that, you know, that to me is the hardest part about organizing is coming across those quote unquote cultural differences, right? But oftentimes mm. trying to get white folks to recognize that they're not being anti racist enough, they're not doing enough to welcome No, because we're still getting laid off for bullshit. Yeah. We're still getting targeted. We're still getting, you know, arrested for nonsense. Yeah. And all the black and brown organizers I know for the most part are broke. Like dirt poor broke. Dead ass. Facts. Some of them are already homeless. Some of them are dealing with mm-hmm. issues. Like, I don't see that in with white organizers. You know, there's a wide range no. of what you see in white organizations. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't well-to-do black organizers. I'm saying me personally, I don't know too many. So That's right. Talking about it from that level, you know, what's it like to be a poor organizer? And so mm. about your community to get involved but you know is out here working four or five jobs gig jobs, scraping by scraping by any little thing you could do to make a little money and you out here in the streets protesting right inside mm-hmm. art you know like 
what's it like to be that person? I don't think that a lot of white organizers really understand or even try to relate. No, I think they shut that down. What do you think, Ed? Do you think that they see that? Can you hear me? Something's wrong with the sound. See, I, I I agree with her, you know, that, yeah. But you got to remember also that the poor were the first of any of form to go up against oppression. Yep. You study the history of people that went up. You remember Dr. King, he died broke. Took his Nobel Peace Prize money. Facts. To the hog, he got to jail. Yeah. You know, so she's right. You know, the, the, the poor, the home, that's rising up. That's, the, mm -hmm. that's, that's globally. That's globally. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. in here. So yes, mm -hmm. she's right. You know, the poor does and stuff. But I, like I said before, they don't have it's it's a whole different atmosphere in this state. When I moved here, I like, man, Don, what do y'all I mean, what type of history do y'all go into? What do y'all know? Mm -hmm. They're like you might have some people up here that you might have met don't even know about Palestine. Don't yep. know what yes Arafat is. Be surprised. Mm. Yep. Mm. I'm talking to them. Right. <laughs> Who's that? Who's Arafat? What's that guy doing? Do you even know? I told a Christian brother the other day. I said Beppo is located in Palestine. You know, Jesus was mm. a Palestinian. Mm -hmm. You better start reading, brother. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, there's we, we lack in the history up here as organizers. I think that that is another issue. Um, where does your organizing knowledge come from? You know? Ooh, Ty. You, you come in and cause an argument. That's a big fact, though. Yeah. That's a big fact. Like, what? who's teaching you? What's in your mind, right? Yes, we have strong organizing history in this black and brown organizing specifically. Panthers here started here, you know? Like, so when you start thinking about that and you meet vulnerable people and they don't know anything about the black people, but they have to organize in the East streets of Connecticut, like, how? Right. And why? You have to get involved with the history. You have to do at least work as community organizers and sharing the history. No, don't be quiet. Yes. Right. Right. Because there's a lot of stuff that people don't know, isn't there? That's interesting that you bring that up. Not not to cut you, but why is that? What have you can you walk us through that so folks know? Because I don't think that people realize there are efforts being made to organize black and brown workers, aren't there? Mm -hmm. on one basis but there are whole movements you know the iww is a great organization i wouldn't say it's black and brown led just put that out there but i would definitely say that there's a lot of solidarity there with black and brown communities um and they do great work trying to 
you know, help facilitate training and help folks just get organized on the job. But mm -hmm. black and brown people have an inherent need, I think, and strength in organizing that just other folks don't have. Um, our very survival depends on it. You know, we're quick to speak up in the workplace when things don't suit us. You know, um, we're quick to make a complaint about things that, you know, don't feel quite right. Um, and I think that that's really the start of a good organizer right there. You're right. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's so much that we know to do. And I always say that's why they, they hold us back. What we have to get better at, in my opinion, is being supportive of each other. Yes, and trusting ourselves and our communities. You know, we don't need to go yes. to white source every time we're like, oh. Every time. You, know, like, you don't need the white man to lead it. You really don't. permission, you know, like that's such a big thing. Like we can grow and build things in our own name with our own tools. We don't need permission. We don't. We really, really don't. No. I think that's something that's limiting. Like in a communities that have faced a lot of historical oppression in the education system, in access to mm -hmm. resources, you know, what we have has been so spread thin amongst black and brown folk. You know, so it's all we really What do you mean by that? Say more on that, because some people might not know what you mean by that. Because remember on the media, it looks like we get support. Let's be real here. Yes. Significantly harder for black and brown communities to pull together what meager resources mm -hmm. allowed to make change. And yet we still do. Mm -hmm. And that's something we always have to hold on to. It may not be the solution today, but we here, we always still fighting, you know? We just got to right. doing it together. Facts. What you thinking over there, three fifths? Oh, I'm absorbing the sisters. That happened was organized again with black and brown people. Let's take Chicago, Cha Cha Jimenez of the Young Lords, hooked up with Fred Hampton. The Young Lords didn't open up in New York, hooked up with the Panther Party there. Then you had in California, the Mexicans who were the Brown Barrettes, they hooked mm -hmm. up. I'm glad she mentioned also about organizing. There was a brother, if you remember, 
as an organizer, union organizer, that took on Amazon. Jeff Bezos tried to take him out. Yep, but he won, awesome. and that's where the unionization started coming to Amazon. That's why since parts of Amazon are unionized. And Latinos are also part of that brown, brown people too. So again, like I said, it's where you at. But here, it's hard. Here you have gatekeepers. All yep. you got to do is give, yes. them a butter biscuit and give them a butter biscuit and chicken leg. Oh, shit. <laughs> some hot dogs and hamburgers. Let them do the wobble, and they happy. And crayons. Don't forget the crayons. So, for real, let me tell you, in 2023, listen, I've marched. I've done the protests. I really feel the real battlefield is on social media. That's where I feel the real action is really, really happening. Because you see, you could march and not everybody will film it, right? Because you see, now people have exposure to media. So you may not necessarily tune into certain things, but you'll see it if it's on social media, more than likely, because everybody's up there. That's my view. What about you? I, I definitely think social media is playing a huge factor in getting people caught up real quick. Um, so right now, with everything happening with Palestine, I think that there were so many people who had never even heard. Again, we come back to the lack of history. People just didn't even know. Um, meanwhile, just a little aside, if you've been following Black Liberation, you know about this because Black Liberation leaders like Malcolm, like MLK, like Angela Davis, um, have all spoken about Palestine and how our solidarity is intrinsically linked with theirs. So that's just an aside. Do your Black history and you wouldn't be so behind, but let me not digress. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Right. Right. And also for the disabled, right? We, let's not forget them. Not everybody, or those in recovery, yes. or those who are incarcerated, yes. they get to participate, right, by social media. What do you think, three fifths? How you feel social media versus the rallies? And I mean, I'm not saying that people shouldn't march and rally. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that don't sleep on social media. The, mar the march is, 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 the, is the poor people's media. Because the media does come out and they'll, they'll thing. But after the march is what you do, what you have to do next. See, media has always been used to get out bad propaganda. It's been used to use good things. Case in point, if you go into history, there's a thing called bone music. Hitler, Hitler tried to ban all the records and stuff. Somebody made an experiment and took an x-ray, and you can look it up on Google, called Bone Music. They put music on it, but they also put plans on there of what they were going to do. And that's, that's media. That, that, that's, that's, that's media. Right. Media is the most powerful. Why do you think they have journalists in the world? You know, the right. They have journalists. They have a journalist court to keep you, keep you abreast. You have media over there in, in Palestine, from Gaza, and in Israel. Yes. Right. In fact, some people want to call it media anymore. It's social media. They don't even say newspaper. They're social media. Everything's like Trump. Right. And you made a good point too. Why did they take and cut the internet off? They cut the internet oh. off for people so they can't get stuff out. Exactly. Right. Social media is the only reason we know what's going on in Gaza. Right. That's where I'm getting a lot of my info from. People I know via the internet. 
right? The stories are sad, you know? And this is why, like, one of the things that happens when something's trending, unfortunately, is when we have those who trend with it <laughs> and the misrepresentation that comes with. Because what, what bothers me is that we allow ourselves to get tokenized in a moment. And instead of empowering each other, we go and we say, oh, I'll go speak at this event because it's white-led. What's your thoughts? Um, I think that really comes back to, you know, that issue that we talked about, just not working together and not having trust in our own merits um, as community. You know, black and brown folks have been getting shit done and surviving for a long, long time. You know, our oppression has been activated. When I go out into the streets, and I protest with my Palestinian brethren and sisters and sis. I'm doing it because my liberation is linked with theirs. Not because I feel bad, not because it's the right thing to do, because it's the only thing to do. And when I see members of black community, you know, posturing for connection to whiteness, to power, um, it, it's hurt. It hurts because you know that it's a symptom of the system, but you also know that like that's energy that could be used feeding our fight. You know? Exactly. Or you know, so mm -hmm. that's how I really feel about it. It just feels like a letdown, but you know, you can't let it stop you totally because folks do change, and if you build it, people will start to come to you too and grow with you too. So I don't know. I have mixed emotions about it. I guess. But while we're in that space, how do you feel about the black and brown legislators <laughs> being so silent about Palestine? I don't think about them at all. Um, I don't have any faith in legislation for the most part. Mm. I have ever seen um, that is just another way to make empty promises to the people. So mm. I don't think that is a worth less fight to work with legislators to try and make change on that front. And there are folks who do that great work. Power to you. Um, but that's certainly not where I feel my best energy is spent. Um, my best energy is spent in community with black and brown folk. Trying Someone's to at your door. Solutions for our issues on the ground um, and not waiting around for a politician to care about us. Mm. Three-fifths, how do you feel about the black and brown legislators being quiet about Palestine? They're doing their job. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Because what? What does a trained shield do with the ball of the nose? They take command. Mm. They take command. Mm. You know, and that's a hot topic. On the subject of tokens. Mm. That's what you know. I think our black and brown legislators are. You know, ultimate tokens. They more mouthpieces. You know, cherry. Yes. Community to speak for us, but like, and I'm not saying there are, um, but you know. Their silence now speaks to exactly how effective they really are. <laughs> it's true. I used to always have a saying. Now you test a black politician. Let him take a picture of Mr. Farrakhan. What do you think about that, Ty? I got five pieces with him already. Mm. Mm. <coughs> you know they're not going like that. Wait, say again? I don't trust many politicians, so, you know. Facts. I, well, if, you, if you wait around all day, again, to me, it's just looking around to be like, 
what should I think? How should I feel about this? Um, mm-hmm. The people in the streets are speaking loudly to how we feel about Palestine, and that matters. And I think that that's what we need to amplify. Well, in, in saying that, how do you feel about actions that involve coordination with the police? Uh, that's a no for me. Um, Facts. tear gas, beating them and arresting them. Um, I think that if you're coordinating protests with the police at this point in time, especially after we already was just out in these streets marching back in 2020 about police accountability and lack thereof. Okay. Um, okay. Of, you know, empty faith in a system that hasn't changed much at all. I mean, not at all. About a ticket scandal, but like this year, you know, that involves racial profiling in the state. So why should they be at any protest where they're allowed to rampantly racial profile and harass and potentially be violent towards black and brown protesters? Um, right. Faith in the policing system has not been restored in any way, shape, or form since, you know, the 2020 accountability uh, protest. Because um, nothing's changed. No, and I don't... I don't feel confident when white people do that. Like I, that to me is so cliche when white people go and they say, no, 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 we're going to do our part. We're going to let you lead. We're going to let you do this. We're going to let you do that. We're going to fall back. But really they're tokenizing you right indirectly, because of course it's like mostly white people and they'll select who gets to talk, but then they go and they work with the police. You know, they want to make sure it's peaceful. I don't believe in that shit. What about you three fifths? That's it. The one function, observation and arrest. They, they're not going you know, they're not, they're not that. And they get paid to do that shit, don't they? They do. They get a nice piece. See, this is the thing. When you sit there and you have a rally and you say, let me go ahead and coordinate with the police. You just gave that cop overtime. How do you feel about that? Because that affects your city budget. That's my thoughts. How do you all? That's why I don't go to rallies. I'm not going to pay their bills. I'm not going to pay their bills. <laughs> um, honestly, you know, I just feel like it's a waste of everybody's time. Part of, I, I just don't think that people realize that part of decolonization is disruption. Part of anti-oppression and anti-racist notion is disruption. If you are seeking permission to disrupt, you're not disrupting anything. Um, so then everything that you're doing becomes performative, you know, so why are we holding a rally if we're not prepared for it to, you know, if we're not prepared to take care of its actions, that's something as organizers, we need to be at the forefront of, we need to be able to say, we're gathering our people together and we can plan and coordinate action that won't necessarily cause harm and doesn't need to be supervised by militarized police systems and doesn't need facts to be state and doesn't need to be seen by white eyes you know facts community and not have it be for the gram there's a lot of those right people aren't thinking of they just want to be seen at the center of the Ooh. Oh. Oh. 
Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, <laughs> she's laughing over there. Honorable Elijah Muhammad said the camera is a what? A narcotic. And our friend, our dear brother, dearly departed, the great, late, great Malcolm X said, be careful of the who? White liberals. That's how I feel about that. When I see a bunch of white people being too eager to help protest my my my, my situation, my case, right? I get leery because they're always trying to shove us out of the way. And that's why on this podcast, I'm proud to say, y'all only get to show up on one series. That's what should white people do. You want to say something, that's where you go. Everything else is for us. We don't script anything. You know, we just hear chillaxing. You could be eating a snack. You could be doing whatever. We chillaxing, we talking, right? Because people need to know these conversation happens amongst us. And we need to take our space back. See, I come from a little country that looks like a Timberland boot. And so I grew up in a culture where it's normal to get up and stand up. And I find it so interesting how the black and brown activists here seem eager to allow white people to co-opt their shit. I struggle with that. What about you, Ty? How do you see that? And then I'd like to hear from you, three fifths. Preach, preach. I'm gonna say it hard. It's it can be very difficult being around a lot of white folk, and not not all, but a lot, because they don't check themselves, they don't learn the history, they don't try to relate. Everything is us relating to whiteness, never the other way around. Um, and I think that that power dynamic, that centering of whiteness, and it, it feeds into that white supremacy system that holds us all trapped. Um, in the Northeast, I think. It, it's even more so because we have that extra layer of like Stepford respectability politics, you know, mind your manners, very Puritan uh, history in our colonization up here. Um, so I think that that definitely influences how we interact today. Um, I also just think that a lot of black and brown folks don't really give a fuck about what white people do. Um, many people don't interact with a lot of white folks outside their job or in systems of power. You know, a lot of folks just spend a lot of time in their own communities. So when we're having these conversations now, we're an activated part of the community, but there are plenty, plenty, plenty of others that aren't activated at all. They ain't thinking about white folks outside of, I hate that guy at my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting and I'm trying not to laugh, but it's so fucking true. <laughs> I can't stand that motherfucker, but you know what? I need to pay the lights next week, so I'm going to just tolerate your ass, but we not friends. <laughs>
I don't know what the why it is, but it's just something about it. We cater to the white ego. Um, I've sat in on the saviorism, the tears, the toxicity. We allow the toxicity. A lot of us are tolerant of that. Yes. You know, we're always starting at the beginning with them and being like, let me hold your hand through your racial awakening. And mm -hmm. it's exhausting, you know, because it's like, because they're not facing active oppression, they're, they're never activated. They never care. And then when they right. see it happening, you know, it puts them to the most deepest despair. And they're like, oh, no, the world is awful. <laughs> You're so empathetic, Ty. You should, and I don't disagree. I'm being sarcastic. I don't disagree at all because they don't get a pass. You don't get a fucking pass to overlook my shit because you don't want to admit your shit. Yes. Right. Like, right. What about you, three fifths? How do you feel about that? <laughs> this one over here cracking herself. Very interesting. See, see, the thing of it is, too, like that, they become comfortable with the black elite, and they figure that they can be comfortable with us. But I had to who the black elite? Who's the black elite for the people who don't know? Please tell us who they may be. I mean, oh. you don't have to say names, but. No, so I, can, I don't understand care. what no, that I, I term means. But the black, the black elite is nothing more than what Malcolm said, that house Negroes that's upstairs getting that butter biscuit and chicken laid. The okay. black elite are the ones that you run into. See, it's a difference. I told, told you the other, day, uh, the other day, we were talking. Candace Owens, okay, is not black elite. Clarence Thomas is. The Clarence Thomas types that, that are up there, way up in the masters, as they say, house. Yeah. Right. Those are the ones that you that that that's the black elite. You have the boule and stuff, the black right. elite. But also, I want to get back to what the sister said too about the leaders. See, this is why I still continue to tell my grandchildren and children and anybody young, read the '60s. See, today's Negro leaders, mm. if you look preach. At them, they're getting they're getting speaking engagements. Look at their names. Dr. King died broke. Malcolm died broke. Facts. Died broke. Facts. They, they, they Facts. And, and they, they fried fish. That's how King got the ticket to go around the country and speak. Mm -hmm. now, like I said, today's leadership, what you see is they're getting that, that uh, 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 you know, that's the speaking I got I, one guy, I to call no name. One guy is getting, I call his name. It's 30,000, I think, to see Roland Martin speak. I don't like Roland Martin, but that's what he charged. But people like that. Skip Gates at Harvard. Mm. Where is he at? Mm. One of the big, big, big elites. Mm -hmm. Engagement fees. Since mm -hmm. Obama left, Obama left it's $100,000 just for him to speak. Mm. It never, it never mm. And as far as real white folks, look at what Malcolm said. A reporter asked Malcolm, said, listen, are these white people that you like? You know what he said? I like John Brown. He's like, he's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. During the 60s, it's a whole different ballgame. You have more radical white people. I'm telling That's you, right. Around. I'm glad you said that. Hold that I'm thought for a second. Just to go to what you're saying. 
You know what I thought was badass by a white person? Them little old white people that are showing up in the Senate and they're willing to get fucking arrested, screaming out free Palestine. Like they're willing to use their privilege in that setting. Personally, that's what needs to happen. We shouldn't be the ones getting arrested. Fuck that. I ain't getting arrested at no fucking shit. Yes. I find no. Black and brown leadership is always expected to take the hit for any protest, any rally, um, any sort of speaking up, even in the workplace. You know, we face the most retaliation. We face the most consequences. And yes. And white folks will do a lot to preserve their proximity to power and say, oh, I don't want to potentially burn bridges with white people. Yeah, I got a family, yeah. you know, we just started this new job and we just moved here, you know, you know, feel free to chime in. Me and you know, I always get an argument with some of my own people. Mm-hmm. Part of the movement. Malcolm X's right-hand woman was an Asian. Mm-hmm. Read the history, brothers and sisters. Go back to the 60s books. Get on Amazon. You'll see. It, we didn't have to rely on... We didn't rely on the white people. That's the part that fucks me up. You know? That's the part that fucks me up. Where is this... Deep, because, again, I didn't grow up in this. So it's weird to me. Right? And I still struggle with it because I've, I've had to deal with the colorism. Right? Because I wasn't born here. So some people, black and brown peers, they don't want to give me the credit. They don't want to, you know... And that's okay. I still big up their shit. That's no big deal. But I don't understand why we do that. You know, why do we feel like that's okay? And then when the white people come and they say, hey, show up at this because I want you to. We do that, but we don't support each other. Ty, what could we do to be more supportive of each other? I think one of the first things that we can do is get better about the communication. Um, too often folks come in at the last minute being like, oh, can you help support my thing? Can you post about my event? Can you? And it's like, wow, I wish you had thought of me while you was planning. You know, like, I wish we could have worked together on this, amplified this message bigger, you know, grew this protest, grew this rally, made this event something, you know, more targeted, whatever, whatever the goals are. Um, so right off the bat, I think that's what it is right there. Um, number two, I think we have to stop being afraid to pool our resources. Um, so many people are so like, well, this is preserved for us and we're, 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 we're keeping this dollars to do this thing. And people aren't willing to share the money, truthfully, like the actual money to help build and create movement. Um, and I, I think that's very limiting. You know, the Panthers were an Oakland org that worked with donations from the community to fund all activity for the most that's part. Right. So, you know. It's not a difficult notion to think that we can't just pass around dollars to get the movement and the cause up and off the ground. But for some reason, we have that mental block these days where folks just don't want to share the money. They hoard it. Um, it, it. It speaks to this greed, this this connection to capitalism that says, you know, no, I, I'm waiting for my movement to move off so I could get the hot ticket and be seen. Right. You know, and, and get money for the speaking engagements and, and shit like that. You know, and the cameras and the media. Right. They don't necessarily want to make the change that they're acting for. I mean, if it happens, they're happy about it. But like, right. Get bigger. I think that is the always the the goal. So much time we focusing on 
on growth. And that, I think that's a capitalist mindset, you know, a, a colonizer mindset to be continuously trying to expand and expand and expand. Meanwhile, we mm -hmm. have folks at home, folks going hungry in the streets and our streets, you know, I get a lot of my organizing from Panther, Panther History, uh, Young Lords, and that's community organizing at its root to tip. You know, we feed mm -hmm. before we ask them to go marching in the streets. You know, we teach folks before we ask them to go preach the message. So, mm -hmm. the fundamentals, and that's something that we can really get back to as a community. Well, and you know, if you're not doing that, you could support the ones that are that who are. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, three fifths. Let me say something. She, she just dropped more science, and what I like was, see, I'm reading a book right now called "The Failure of Black Entrepreneurship." People think that you could open a cupcake factory that's going to liberate our people. What liberates right. our people? Are the <laughs> Wait, I just thought about what you said. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with this guy, dude. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna mute myself because I'm cracking up too much. When they built the Barclays Center, Jay Z made people lose their houses. My my sister almost lost three houses over there. Damn. But Jay, yeah, when they did that Barclays Center, that's why Jay Z not liked in, in Brooklyn. Mm. It is the thing if you Google it in. Jay Z betrayed Brooklyn, and what happened was the Russian mafia owned that that spot. They got rid of him. He was supposed to do the shows and stuff. He got rid of him. Now that place looks like a like a dungeon. But we on this kick that oh, black entrepreneurship is going to save us. No, it's mm -hmm. not. What saves us is the people that's buying people like Clarence Thomas, Highland Crow. These these are centurion billionaires. Jay Z, Rihanna. That's pocket change. Open them two point six billion. Yes. So what they're doing? We're buying liberation with that. I've asked these brothers. Right. No. No. What were you saying, Ty? Yeah. Right. All of the people struggling, you know, and nine times out of ten, you ain't gonna make it big at all. So we're gonna all just be waiting in hunger, you know, while you out here struggling. Right. And there's ways to get active, right? Like right now, we could help Palestine by boycotting McDonald's. Fuck McDonald's. Fuck Starbucks. For real. It's a whole list of companies. We could do that. And so show our support and solidarity. Yes. And be effective. Less to the owning class. Like, 
that's another way that you can help Palestine and stop funding the military complex, you know, with your slave and wage labor. Just go out there and get your money fairly at work with your fellow workers. Bring resources back to the community. Participate in mutual aid. There's mutual aid groups all around the state, you know, like one of the big things I'm seeing with the Palestinian genocide is folks have become really activated, but they don't really know what to do. They feel helpless. And they're like, how can I help? How can I help? And I'm like, help yourself. You know, I see you out here literally barely making rent. How, why are you sending money to an organization you never even heard of but yesterday? You know? Right. You're saying you want to help. If you, our liberation is tied to theirs, if we right. stand up and fight back against our oppressive government, that is one of the biggest help we could give to the Palestinian people. Well, that's why I say boycott McDonald's. Don't get that Happy Meal. This is it. They don't treat their workers well anyway. No, they don't. You know, and, and Starbucks too. Starbucks, one of the big things is that they're pushing back on all these uh, union efforts that are coming out right now. Because um, Starbucks has a big unionizing front that's happening across the nation. We got a company in uh, Connecticut. They're doing their thing. Uh, mostly black and brown led. Just will leave with that. But I will also say, you know, you should just boycott, boycott Starbucks anyway. One, the coffee, not that Facts. Two, it's super expensive. Yes, and you could make it yourself and make it better. And three, they treat the workers awful. When workers, when the Starbucks union came out in support of Palestine, now Starbucks is suing its union workers. You know, like they're using their institutional power to push back against their unionized workers. What could be done for folks that aren't even in the union? You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have any protection. Right. So, why don't folks unionize? propaganda one two these unions are big corporate unions and i say corporate in the sense of like they're just larger they're still yeah. um, a lot of issues with that too i'm in favor mm -hmm. of unions, so i like when you know your little office unionizes and y'all are in charge of your union shop and i think that that's the most important and effective unionization because y'all make your own decisions y'all collectively come together and know your needs and can speak to them without having to have some outsider come in and speak on your behalf. Right. You know? Um, but I think that that's part of two. Unions can be predatory. Unions can be ineffective. Um, we just saw a union leader, what is it, the SEIO 1199 or something like that. One of their big top union guys just got down because he made a pro-Palestinian statement, um, and he was basically forced to resign. What? What the fuck? Yeah. So wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. He issued a pro-Palestine statement, and they asked him to resign. Oh my god! But these people advocate for whom? So people know who you're talking about. What are they supposed to be about? No problem. It's out there. If you just Google like Connecticut Union resign, shit. You know, like wow. So there are issues with our unions, and I'm not going to deny that. As a pro labor person, I would never say you know unions are the solution, but it's certainly right. You know, get that collective power going. Right. Right. 
we're stronger together, right? Always. We're always stronger together. Let me say this. I'm 100% for union, and I'll tell you why. Look at the red states that have no collective bargaining. In those states, that mm. have, like the work states. A friend of mine moved down mm. there. The boss's nephew came in. Took 20 years to buy. So, and also, good thing about unions, a lot of people don't, don't unionize the private sector. They're afraid because they already give you some of the benefits that union people got. The unions are the one that mm. sector also. Woo! is too good. A lot of people don't know. Maybe the sister might know. Only unionized doctors in hospitals in New York. They got a union. New York doctors. I spoke with the doctors at Yale. I have a doctor over there. I'm not going to call his name. There's no trouble. He said, since Yale brought up all these doctors, it's like a doctor's sweatshop over there. I told mm. you all you. He said, I wish I could do that. There's a push mm. professional grade uh, level. So like uh, librarians, doctors, even lawyers, where there's this convincing of, well, you don't need a union. It's actually bad for folks like that. Um, wow. It will discourage anyone in leadership positions to be part of the union as well. They say it'll impact your role as a leader. Um, you're better off not doing that. Um, and meanwhile, you know, most supervisors and managers are for the company anyway. Um, so they're quick to not want to be a part of the union. Not everybody, but most. Um, mm -hmm. I just think that a lot of people are honestly just like afraid to speak up in the workplace. That's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the times are hard. It's expensive to be poor in Connecticut. Yeah. And the job so I can see why. First of all, if you speak up about a union, whether you have one or not, you're protected under federal law. You are. So people right. know. And I got I got a little little thing, and I was a union president, so I know how it works. But you have you have a law that don't prevent you. See, most people are not educated right. about unions. They don't know about the haymarket riots that got to make weekends and stuff off. They don't know about how the unions fought for that health care, family medical leave. I've seen concerned mm -hmm. people. I said you crying about the poor, but you got a Medicaid card. You they got mm -hmm. Okay, so let's be for real. Mm -hmm. But the unions, no question, they're needed. But again, it goes back that the people, not just our brothers and sisters, whites are not educated. They're told that's socialism. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not saying them. They don't well, they have their version of socialism. Like I said, I struggle with this because I didn't grow up in this. I grew up in a country where most jobs are unionized. I grew up in a country where if the teachers are striking, we all striking together. You see, I grew up in a country where you didn't have to ask people if they're showing up, they're showing up. Right. They're marching in front of that building and they will make their picket sign and they'll bring lunch too. And they will, they'll march and is our people when I say people. So this is a struggle for me. And I really appreciate both of you coming on tonight you know, to talk about this. This is the first of what's going to continue because Ty's going to come back. This was just the start. I just wanted people to get a taste of what's to come because this is to have a lot to say and we're here for it. We're here for it, right? This is what we do. We amplify the voices, right? Because she's doing some fantastic work with CT Grapevine. I encourage you all to check her out on Instagram, right? Follow this chick empower each other, support each other. Ty, before we close out tonight, any closing thoughts? Uh, just want to say, you know, grateful to be on. Um, nice meeting you, Beefus. Hey. Um, hey. Looking forward to coming back, you know. I feel like there's a lot to talk about always. 
Of course. Of course. Um, Three-fifths, before we go out, any closing thoughts? You know me. He's young. That's all I'm going to say. Keep doing what you do. <laughs> you know what it is. That's right, because we won't be here forever. No. Right? And it's important that we amplify the young voices in, in this fight, because there are many. And they come in different shapes, forms, genders, everything, right? And here I focus on the black and brown because I feel like we don't get enough. We get tokenized. That's just me. If y'all would join me before we close out for tonight, I'd like to take a moment of silence for Gaza. Oh Allah, the people of Palestine seek refuge in you from the injustice of rulers and from the evil people who exercise evil power, wickedness. Amen. I can't thank you all enough for being here. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Three-fifths, always a pleasure. You know how it rolls. You know, I, I got to say, this is my dog from, as they say up here, that's my dog. You know what I mean? He old school, right? If we was to describe this, this would be like Biggie on the set. You feel me? <laughs> right? Long time in the dance. Ty, you came with it, and I appreciate you. I hope you all tune in again. Thank you all for continuing to like, share, and subscribe. Your encouragement and support you know, is so important. Thank you so much. And for all of those who are standing up now and boycotting McDonald's and boycotting Starbucks and boycotting Disney, I know we can't do all of them. There is a list that goes beyond those names, but if you could do some, you're doing a lot, right? Every little bit counts. And just remember we're in this together. And what they're afraid of is when we come together. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for taking that moment uh, with us. And till next time, that's all for tonight. Fist up, smile on, peace. CJ.